G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Some more on sport today because we're getting very close to the biggest football grand finals. They're almost upon us and it's not surprising, is it, that we might talk a little about sport just not the way that everybody else does. And so I want to enjoy, invite you to be part of our conversation as we do start to get into some things today. Yesterday, we're unpacking the idea that sport is the Aussie religion. And you might think that between sport and religion, there would be some similarities. We'll talk about some of those today. The fact that each has a holy book. Really? The sports have holy books? Well, each has a holy book that outlines the rules of the game. Certain commentators are regarded as prophets, and much of the language of sport and religion could be considered to be very similar. Dedication, faith, commitment, worship, and sacrifice. Also, more on sport today around the idea that effective and growing churches probably have lots in common with an effective and winning sports team. And who better to help to unpack that sort of conversation today than longtime sports chaplain Rob Mann, who is, I might add, and you'll know his name, a listening ear and a fount of wisdom, keeping an eye on the team here at Vision. He is the Vision chaplain. And he's also the current chaplain of the Brisbane City Football Club. And as former national chairman of the Board of Sports and Leisure Ministries, now Sports Chaplaincy Australia, he has a lot to offer when it comes to sport and a 30-year career as a pastor. We're in his zone today. Rob Mann, a special welcome along to 2020. Thank you so much, Neil. It's great to be here. Hey, sport. You love sport. I do. You love sports people. I do. You are a people person. I can uh, tell listeners uh, that you are a people person because you. you get around the place here and uh, you are a listening ear. You do help to resolve the occasional minor conflict that happens around the corridors at Vision. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> anything like that could happen, but uh, but but you are a listening ear, and uh, it's very powerful to be able to have uh, some spiritual wisdom and oversight into the conflicts and those sorts of things that we face, mm-hmm. and those sorts of things that happen in the sporting club or in the dressing room after the game. Yep. Uh, some similarities there to what happens in church life. Definitely. There are real parallels between the church and as you between the church and sporting teams. As you mentioned, you know, there's a belief system, there's rules, there's a book, there's experts and prophets. Sometimes the prophets are a dead loss, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but but there are there are remarkable parallels, and I think you know, sports a great microcosm of life, and I think it's good for kids to play sport because there are so many life lessons that they can. That you have to learn how to to face defeat. They have to learn how to face rejection. They have to learn to work as a team. They have to learn to allow themselves to be put down so that others can be raised up. It's, and there's so many things like that that are such good lessons for life. Well, let's just bring church into this early yep. because as you start to reflect on some of those things, uh, you have to work as a team. Absolutely. Uh, you've got to learn to face rejection. 
Yep. Uh, not everybody at church is friendly. Now, that's a sticking point for some people who say, yeah. well, I don't feel like they're very friendly at that church. I'm not going to go anymore. I'm taking my bat and ball and I'm going home. Exactly. It's a little bit like, uh, you know, you even use a sports uh, metaphor to uh, to uh, to say why you're going to be leaving church. Uh, but church is very similar and you do have to actually learn some of those disciplines the same as you do on a sporting team. Yeah. And I think, you know, we, we often... We often approach church in a very reactive way, but you know, like the way to, the way church uh, sports teams are successful is they are proactive. They're not. They're worried about playing. You, you hear so many teams say, well, "We're not worried about what they're going to do. We're going to do what we're going to do." You know, and and many Christians in church live reactively. They live constantly reacting to what's happening, rather than proactively setting a direction that they're going to go in to be part of a team that's the church and go forward. Uh, they spend the whole time reacting to things, and that's not the way we should be living as Christians. Okay, well, we could be saying who's to blame for that, and that brings in another uh, idea of connection here between sport and church. Mm. Uh, somebody's going to be the coach. Somebody's going to be the captain. Uh, Somebody's going to have responsibilities in all of these different aspects that actually get you into a proactive state. Otherwise, you are just uh, putting out spot fires and uh, running around and, as you say, just reacting to situations, and that doesn't get anyone anywhere. Well, it's an old cliche, and I don't know that I agree with it to its total outworking, but the leadership is always the problem and leadership is always the answer. So if we have like good leaders build good teams, and in, in the church, you know we've got um, we've got many leaders, and and they need to work at being good leaders. And leaders, you know, leaders can always be the answer to problems if they lead well. You know, I like to reflect on leadership, yep. and I would even go so far as to say that churches have a deficiency of leaders, uh, and it might even be not even necessarily the skills, but the numbers. Yeah. Uh, we assume that because we've got the pastor at church that we've got enough leaders. Oh, we only need one. Uh, well, actually, we need a whole lot more, and there's actually a need for raising up the next generation of exactly. leaders. And if you've got one leader, uh, really, you need two, three, four more, because otherwise you are just doing reactive things, uh, getting on the front foot and doing something a little bit uh, you know, on the offensive. If you're talking yep. about a sporting strategy, you've got to have more leaders. You've got to be exactly. raising up the leaders. Exactly. Well, you hear, you know, look, I've been in touch with many sporting teams, and they talk about having a leadership group. In, we've got to have leadership team. Okay, there's, there's, there will always be one leader. God calls one man to lead, but under him, there have to be other leaders who are, are led to lead parts of the life of the church. The one leader can't leave, lead every aspect of the life of the church. And the same in a football team, you know, there, there may be a forwards leader and a, and a, and a backs leader and whatever. One guy can't do everything. And we need to learn in the church that, that because, you may not be the, the senior leader, but there's still a place for you to be part of a leadership team to exercise leadership. English language is an interesting thing, Neil. You may have heard the expression, you know, what kind of life are you leading? Mm. Think about that. Think about that. That says that each of us should be leading our own lives. We're responsible to lead ourselves, if you know what I mean. So you've got leaders in the senior level in church, but you've got also got all of these um, individuals who are required to lead their own lives, and that's that's in. I believe that's not in the English language by accident. It's an important issue, and we need to, you know, we need to work all those things together. 
a senior leader, a leadership team, and individuals required to lead their own lives. You know, we could be talking about an elite sports team, or we could be talking about the under-16s, where not everybody on the team is a star player. Yep. But when you talk about everyone taking some responsibility of leading themselves, uh, you can't really be on the team unless you're going to practice some of those skills in the backyard. If you're going to practice some of those skills and say we're talking about uh, soccer, which yep. is, you know, probably still the uh, the most played uh, uh, football game in Australia. And the uh, world. So, you know, you've got to learn to dribble the ball. Yep. You've got to learn how to interact with, say, if you're on the in the centres, uh, how to interact with the wing. Yep. Uh, you've got to be able to uh, understand what everyone else is thinking at the same time so sure. you can move forward. So sure. you've got to actually take that responsibility yourself. It's not like you just turn up and... Don't practice. Yeah. Yeah, practice makes perfect, I imagine. Exactly. But see, again, that's that whole, there's individual responsibility. You've been given a gift. You've been given an ability. You've been given a talent, whatever it is. And regardless of whether it's sport or not, your responsibility is to, is to shepherd and polish and hone that talent in life. Then that talent's invested into a team situation, which becomes part of the church, and it's developed from there. See, a football team, you've got a whole lot of different players with different talents and different abilities. They're not all good at everything, and we are not all good at everything. And so the church is this group of people with a whole lot of different um, talents and abilities that come together in unity. That question, unity. For me, unity is where everybody wants the same thing and is prepared to commit all that they've got, as far as talent and ability, whatever, to see that, that goal or that thing achieved. You know, what comes to mind is that most absolutely profound uh, illustration that the Apostle Paul gave us about the church. He said, one body, many parts. Exactly. We are the body of Christ, and everybody's got their own gifts and talents in certain areas. Uh, not everybody is the foot, and not everybody is the left hand. Definitely. Uh, so the same sort of connection here when we talk about sports teams, yep. uh, we're really talking about how the body of Christ functions. Exactly. See, I can't be a goalkeeper. I can't keep warm, let alone keep goal. <laughs> but, but, you know, there's, there's all of this that, that works, you know, works together and, and needs to mesh in a set of cogs, it's like a machine. That, that when there's when those things aren't meshing, you've got trouble. I mean, the, cl- the club I'm with at the moment, we had an issue you know, during the season. We've had issues where certain parts of the team weren't meshing, and and until those situations were dealt with, it, we weren't successful. But when they were, suddenly everything clicks and you're successful. It's the same. That's the parallel between the church. When you get like when you get people willing to allow themselves to be meshed with other people. And, and allow the things that they've got and understand that we're all different. And the, that's the other thing about unity, Neil. I think unity happens when we learn to recognize, accept, and celebrate difference. Interestingly, while we're talking about the way a sports team functions and uh, even gleaning from the idea of what happens in sport to help us understand how we move together as one in church, uh, you've been a long-time sports chaplain. Yep. The idea of a spiritual influence in the secular uh, sports team, might mm. be the sports team in your local town, your community, your city, and what they're learning from the wisdom of a spiritual chaplain uh, that is so, so important for how their team functions. Yep. Great for sport. 
But there's a big, big need, isn't there, for lots more sports chaplains. Uh, give us a little idea here about your understanding of, of you know, the, the, the crying need that there is for people who've got some Christian wisdom to actually get involved in their sporting clubs. Well, I think, I think Sports Chaplains Australia has currently got 8,000 vacancies around Australia for chaplains. Okay. The sporting teams are, are beginning to understand that that chaplaincy offers something. I'm often, I've been introduced a number of times now as a neutral corner. By coaches, but particularly John Cosmina was, is that, you know, Rob's a neutral corner. You, you got issues that you'd like to talk about. Um, there are things that are going on. Go and talk to him. And, and I'm, I'm available. And constantly for me, it's saying to the guys, listen, don't be the Aussie tough guy. You know, if you've got something you need to talk about, come and talk to me. It stays confidential. You know, and it's remarkable, Neil. Like people out there have got questions that they want to ask, but they'll never come to the church and ask them. They've got questions about spiritual issues. And I've had guys come in, well, what does this mean? What's this being saved thing? What's that mean? You know, Or just for some advice on certain situations facing. And the board at the club have said to me, we want you back. We don't know all you're doing. I said, well, you never will know what I'm doing because that's what it's about. It's about not you. It's about me knowing, but you'll never know. And just the, like it's just about having a listening ear and an observant eye and just getting to know the guys and understand whether there's an issue or being available for them to come and talk to you. And I'm amazed. I am amazed at the number of guys who will come and just have a question or whatever. And the fact that you're a mature Christian man, a leader who's been shaped by all sorts of things, you know, usually what shapes us are all those bad things that hurt. Sure. Uh, so you've been shaped over many years. And then to be able to bring that Hang on, level Neil, of wisdom. What is many years thing? You tried to, <laughs> I might have a bit of grey hair. Bring it, that, that level of wisdom into a sporting club. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's really, really valuable. It is. Most of those are going to be voluntary positions. Yeah. Uh, but uh, when you're talking about a ministry role that you might have as a mature Christian, uh, this is a great way to be able to think and be prayerful about how you might be able to go and get involved in your local sporting club. Exactly. And I, I find that I'm often talking to the guys a lot about what they're thinking. Like, what, where are you at? What are you thinking about? You know, I talk about this thing about being not just being positive thinkers but being possibility thinkers, you know, stuff. And, and the coaches have said to me, that's really valuable. You know, it's really valuable. We don't – and I've had um, – I've sat with some of the young players and, and one night I was sitting there talking to myself, look, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to be preaching. They go, no, keep talking, keep talking. We never hear any stuff like this. So, you know, there's a, there's a hunger. There's a, there's a heartache out there for us as Christians to be able to speak into situations to these guys who will probably never come voluntarily to a church. But they've got questions. And they've got needs and they've got hungers and they've got desires that we need to be out there just reaching them and talking to them and, and sharing for them and caring for them. Well, if you've been in church for a while, you've probably accumulated the sort of wisdom, even if you think you're just an ordinary Christian who sits, warms the pew on a Sunday, you've accumulated incredible wisdom listening to what comes from that pulpit on a Sunday, uh, listening to the pastor, the priest, whoever it might be leading, yep. uh, just... Uh, shaping you, uh, filling you with biblical foundations and your opportunity to be able to let that overflow into a sporting team, a very powerful one. Our Facebook question today asks, what does the Christian church 
have in common with winning sports teams? And the secondary question there, and you might like to respond to it online, but I'm going to open a talkback line and uh, see if you'd like to be a part of that too. Does it help if everyone on the team is running in the same direction? Now, I think there's something obvious about that, but uh, listeners might like to take that as deep as you want to go today. Visions 2020 with Neil Johnson. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Well, you might call our conversation today lessons from the dressing room because we're talking about the similarities between what it is to be a part of a local church and what it is to be playing on a sports team. Our special guest is the Vision Chaplain, Rob Mann, who's with us today, who's for many, many years been involved in sports chaplaincy and, as you can hear, overflowing with wisdom, and especially when it comes to his life as a career pastor as well. It just uh, is wonderful. And, Rob, just while the uh, the ad break was on, this idea that the things we hear in our local churches every Sunday are actually profound and people who never go to church, never darken the door of a church, are completely ignorant of some of the things that we so take for granted. Oh, exactly. You know, there are life principles and, you know, I've had I've had people outside the church say to me, where did you hear that? You know, we, we've never heard that kind of thing before. I had young players, a group of young players I was talking to said that to me. We've never heard that before. You know, keep talking to us. And uh we don't realize sometimes that that God has given us this this book, His Word, that has everything in it that we need for life, and people outside of the church do not have the advantage of having any of that laid before them. Let's talk about some of the similarities we can identify between what happens in the local church and what happens on the sporting field. Yep. Uh, let me just hit hit you with uh, two or three of these for a bit of a quick comment. Uh, they have rituals, sure. uh, okay. And uh, when we say ritual, uh, that could you know all sorts of things could spring to mind for different from t- different uh, denominations. But, sure. but you know, sporting teams have rituals too. Oh, definitely. You know, your your pregame warm up. Um, you know, the the like. The team I'm with, the guys are required to be there an hour and a half before kickoff, and so they'll they're required to spend some time watching the the grades below them, and then they have a warm up, and uh, they, they they have a you know a warm up dress up, and then uh, they have a, a team talk before the game, and then they sit around together and and um, you know cheer one another on, and then they're on the field. Let's talk about the sorts of feelings that are produced because you're a part of a team, part yep. of a club. They produce feelings of unity, identity, and community. Yes. Uh, that happens in a sporting team. It happens also in the local church. Yeah, and that's true. And the same things happen in a sporting team and happen in a local church. Some people aren't as um, as good a fit in that sense of community and unity as others. And sometimes there'll be one or two characters who um, cause a bit of dramas but in the sports team and the church. And so that all has to be managed and that has to be dealt with by a coach and by a captain and by the team members. You know, the whole thing of learn to love one another, that applies in both those settings. Okay, we're going to take some calls. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation today. You might have your own comment to make too on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash vision radio. Let's take a call from Dan, who is in, I think it's Minyip in Victoria. Hello, Dan. Welcome. G'day, mate. Good to hear from you, Dan. What are your thoughts? Sorry? What are your thoughts? Oh, my thoughts. Very interesting, uh, Rob. I I was in your church in Anala, AOG, many years ago. Is that right? Well, good to talk to you. Yeah, when Stuart um, left and you took over. Yeah, yeah. Okay. 
that's a blast from the past, and I can vouch that you're older than me, mate. <laughs> <laughs> there was no need for that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I have a question because you were talking about being reactive, which is very much in sport because um, we, uh, when you're in sport, you need to be, like you said, proactive, not looking behind you all the time, but yep. looking in front of you. Mm. And uh, you address that, and that's something that I have dealt with in my life, well, am dealing with in my life, because I tend to find that I'm always reactive. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm always, why is this happening? There's, there's, it's not right, you know? Yeah. And I was going to say, have you, I just felt that maybe there's a few of us out there who said, or who were saying, well, can you give us something that would guide us in the way of being more proactive. Sure. Well, there's a statement that I've used a number of times, that things happen that we didn't mean to happen because we didn't mean them not to happen. We didn't put the things in place that either prepare us for what comes along so that we can deal with them or put things in place so that those things don't happen to us in the first place. You know, the spiritual disciplines like prayer and, and you know, getting in the Word and those kind of things. And I know, look, that sounds so, oh, here we go again, you know, Christian thing, but but they're the essences. They're the, they're the basics that have to be there. Yeah, yeah, I understand that, yeah, very much so. So, you know, I mean, if you're coming up to a situation where you see something happening, you need to be able to put things in place that, that enable you to deal with those things or to keep them from happening in the first place. It's called yeah. intentional Christianity, living intentionally. Dan, if I can chime in here, uh, years and years ago, uh, my wife and I realized that if we didn't have our own plan for the coming year, somebody else already had our life planned for us. In other words, if you have no plan for the year ahead, all you're doing is being reactive to what everybody else wants you to do. Now, this could be in your career. Uh, it certainly works in church life because uh, when you are an active participant in your local church, there's all sorts of new initiatives and you're going to be called upon to be a part of all of those. And uh, to be reactive is to decide on those and get stressed by it when it comes. Or to be proactive is to set up a plan in advance. Uh, perhaps it's either individually or with your wife. Uh, my wife and I, we have these diary dates. And we set up uh, what we think we would like to do, and we're prayerful about that before God as to how those sorts of plans come together. And so then when we're approached with all sorts of things that might take us off the direction that we've set before God, uh, then we realize that that we don't have to always feel like we have to say yes to those. And so we've got a sort of a proactive, uh, almost, uh, I wouldn't say aggressive, but it's, but it's, it's a plan that's, you know, that keeps moving us forward. And so we realize we have to have those diary dates. Otherwise we start to get uh, blown around by all sorts of winds. So yep. career, uh, church, uh, I guess it works the same in all of the different aspects of your life. Yeah. Yeah. Scripture just blew up in my face then and it says, like, the man without a vision perishes, you know. Yeah, yeah. So that's really, you and, know. And vision is and about I what... I do have a very, sorry, I, I do have a very active prayer life and Good. seeking God, a daily, you know, initiative, which I, which I put into place. But I think my very nature is I see the negative much more than the positive, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess that's that's something you've just got to work out and work through because it's, it's not easy, and nobody ever said it was going to be easy. But, you know, they're, they're things that you have to put in place and keep in place.
Dan from Minyip in Victoria, thank you so much for taking part in our conversation today. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. You can leave a note too on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash vision radio. Rob Mann is our vision chaplain. He's been a long-time sports chaplain. We're talking about the lessons from the dressing room or how church and sports teams actually complement one another. The things we might learn from understanding sport, applying that into our local church, the things we might understand in our local church, they're absolutely hungry for it yep. uh, in those non-church sports teams and the idea of Christian chaplaincy, very, very powerful. Let's talk about uh, this idea, Rob, that there are a lot of Christians who play sport. Yeah. In fact, I picked up a, a little bit of a, uh, a statistic, uh, and I'm not sure how uh, reliable all this is, but somebody's come up with a statistic that says in the United States, Football fans are highly religious. One in four Americans believing that God will determine who'll win the Super Bowl. Uh, there is a certain <laughs> sense in which you know, you know, God is a part of our sport. I mean, uh, what yeah. are your thoughts here? Is that is that uh, is that taking uh, things look, a bit too you know, far? I can say this. Look, I've had I've had players in a team say, "Well, you know, pray that we'll win." And I've gone, no, no, I'm not going to pray that you'll win because the other team might have a chaplain and they're praying that their team is going to win. So who's, <laughs> right, is it that who's I'm a God? better, he's yeah. a better prayer, I'm a better prayer. No, my, my prayer is this, that everybody will play to their potential and nobody will get badly injured. And look, as far as, you know, as far as who wants the, wins the Super Bowl, I'm not saying God doesn't care, but, you know, yeah, I don't know that, you know, I mean, God, I think the best team wins. You know, that's that's the way life is. And, and I don't think God's like there. There are natural kind of laws that that are in place that you know the, the best team wins, and most times that's the case. And, and you know why would you say to God, "Can you violate that you know, and make my team win if they're not the best team?" I mean, I just shake my head and say. And that. if you've ever been part of an inter-church uh, clash, oh. uh, one denomination against another, uh, you know, <laughs> I've been a part of some of these over the years, oh, and yeah. uh, they're the most violent games. Well, church soccer. <laughs> I coached in okay, church soccer. Yes. Goodness me. Yeah, very, very wild and, and willing. Uh, Rob, we're talking about all these similarities and been a great conversation so far. Don't want to leave listeners out. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation today. Uh, let's talk about direction because one of the questions that I ask on our post today on Facebook is, uh, is it really worthwhile when everybody's running in the same direction? Now, that's an obvious one, but it's actually, uh, it might be a profound thought to think that that's what should happen, but it doesn't always happen so easily. No. What are your thoughts on direction? I saw, I saw a young guy, a, a game with a lot of young guys playing, and, and this young fellow got tackled and tackled hard and rolled over, and he jumped up and played the ball to his to his opposition rather than to his own players because he didn't <laughs> understand which direction he was, he was then yeah. facing. So, and... and Look, it's all very well being unified. We need unity. But the first half and the second half are two different things. In the first half, you run one way. The second half, you run the other. You've got to know. And and running in certain directions has certain advantages. You're running with the wind behind you or the wind against you, whatever. The whole team needs to know the direction they're running in. And I, I take that, you know, out of um, – you, you look at Psalm 84, verse 5, and, and it says, Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. And, uh, and, and I, I take that and translate that to mean God blesses those who are committed to the journey. And every church, every team is on a journey. Every game is a journey. And on that journey, there's a direction that you're going in. 
And we need, we need all to be going in the same direction. Now, sometimes the direction is a really wide path and, and there's a whole lot of people in different positions going in that direction and it's maybe a wide path. Other times the path is very narrow and we need to be really tight on that path and go, but it has to be going in the same direction. Otherwise we have this confusion. We have everybody milling around in circles. Like we'll end up like, like the people of Israel in the desert. And I, you know, part of their problem was, that they didn't really have a solid direction. They they were milling around, getting caught up in all sorts of silly nonsense without understanding what it was that God was leading them to. I imagine that the bigger the church, the broader that spectrum is because a bigger church is involved in an awful lot more things. Sure. Uh, you've got a smaller church and perhaps easier for the pastor to be able to set some direction. But when things get to, you know, 100 strong, 200 strong, 500 strong, 1,000 strong, uh, you've got an awful lot more people. I imagine the way that the pastor, the leader, the coach, uh, has to set the direction, has to be all the more uh, succinct, uh, all the more well thought through, all the more well communicated because yep. of, you know, there's a strategy in moving forward. Yep. But it's not just the pastor's direction here. It's the direction that God gives uh, for Absolutely. a church. So the pastor's got a big responsibility here to be able to discern sure. uh, what's his own pursuit and what it is that he's supposed to be pursuing because of what God has said. Exactly, and he needs to know what the call is for his church. But that direction has to have will have a whole lot of different expressions, and so his key it must be that he must communicate that direction to those who who um working with him. I don't want to say under him, but you know who working with him to then translate that direction into the expression that they're involved in, and and that's the key. We've got a very clear direction. I, you know, when I was pastoring a church, I likened it to a bus ride. You know, we're all on a we're on a journey, and it's a bus route, and and like we're not all stopping at the same stops. For some churches, one of the bus stops may be a Christian medical center, but that's not for everybody. You know, another stop might be a Christian school, you know, or a food thing or whatever. Not every bus journey is stopping at every stop. We're going in the same direction, but there's this along the way. There is these expressions of the direction that are different for every church. The leader's got to be able to understand the direction he's going in and which expressions are valid for his church and in his group to, to, to pass through and to stop that. Same analogy works, doesn't it, when we talk about the fact that you've got to keep on with this vision, with this direction, Definitely. because uh, the same bus illustration, uh, when the bus stops, some people get off and some yep. people get on. Yep. And sometimes in church life, we wonder that there are, oh, there's new people in church this week. And the, oh, there's that family that we're a part of the, the team. Yep. And uh, somehow or other, they're not in church this week. And so uh, that sort of throws everybody out a little bit because, you know, but some people are getting off and some people are getting on at the yep. bus stop. And so uh, e- equal responsibility here for the pastor to keep on sharing that vision, to keep on taking the church in the one direction. Exactly. Are they not on the team? Are they not on the field for the game that week because they're injured? Exactly. And so what are you doing to help them meet? Recovery from that injury and whatever you know, it's, there's lots of parallels there. You know, and like this, this direction thing's really important. It's really, but and and, and part of the direction thing is a game plan. You know, you may have a direction, then you have to be able to translate that down into a plan and a strategy. You, a coach very clearly before the game communicates the game plan to the team, and and the, the team that sticks to the game plan 
and sticks to the things that are laid down and sticks to the things doing the things that they're called to do and they're good at are more likely to win than the team that runs on with a game plan or no game plan and just wants to play football and has got no direction, no idea what direction they're really going on. It's the same with the church. The pastor, the leader, the priest, the minister has to set a game plan and it has to be clear, it has to be achievable, and it has to be something that people are prepared to pick up and run with. Let's not be in any sort of denial or ignorance here. The church is a big game. Uh, we would talk about our local church. Yep. We're just talking about one little expression of what's happening. Yep. Because one little church, part of a denomination, usually has some sort of a state uh, oversight or maybe yep. regional oversight, a yep. state oversight. It could be a network type of uh, responsibility. And uh, up the line in your denomination are going to be other leaders who are strategizing at their own level. And they've got to actually make sure that that strategy passes down to the team on the coalface. Sure. I reflect just on something significant that uh, I heard many years ago, and in actual fact, it was I was quite inspired by hearing of a Catholic archbishop. Now, archbishops are pretty powerful people uh, in the church, and uh, each year this particular Catholic archbishop uh, would come out with his three priorities, just three simple priori- priorities that he would be leading the Catholic Church in uh, through that coming year. And uh, really, this doesn't have to be very complicated, but those priorities have to be pretty succinct. They have to be the right way, and uh, they have to be aligned, of course, with what God is doing. So there's a lot of uh, sophistication that comes in here to get down to what happens in the pastor's mind as he's leading the local church. Definitely. Well, for the church I'm a part of now, you know, I'm not on a pastoral team, but the, the key last year was in his image. It was about we are made in his image. And how does that, you know, that, that, that was the whole key to what we did last year. Everything was around, strategized around we are made in his image with his heart, all of these kind of things. Um, it, and it's important to be able to put something in front of people so that they know what they're going towards and what direction they're walking, working in. And I imagine that this comes down to even a more uh, microscopic level that could happen even in our own families yeah. of actually having a direction to go. Definitely. Uh, even sort of setting a direction that might even put our local church into a focus where the local church is an important aspect of what we do as a family yeah. uh, because we're interested in how our family is going to grow up. Yes. So when we talk about the local church, we're not even talking about the smallest microscopic levels because that happens in our own personal decisions that we make, our own personal compass setting. Yes. Uh, but, of course, we want the local church to succeed because it's God's plan. It's God's stake in the ground in our community, and yeah. he's given to us a gift to be able to make his kingdom function and grow through our local church. Exactly. And, it, you know, I, we now have a figure that says that um, regular church attendance is now considered as once or twice a month. That says to me that there's something wrong in the priorities and the planning that families are doing. There's something, you know, it, it, the direction it, the direction is off. The the priority is off. You know, um, it used to be look, when when what my wife and I were nearly married, we had little kids. We never missed a meeting because we were afraid we might miss out on something. Yep. We were at um, we midweek a midweek meeting. I'd be at music practice. We'd be at two services on Sunday. Now my wife and I. Only go to one service on Sunday. There's two services. We only go to one. You know, there's 
Uh, we're missing something. And I imagine that on a sporting team, if you had the same attitude, uh, yeah. well, you know, we're playing through the season. There's a game every weekend, but I'm only turning up for two of those games out of four. Uh, you're not going to be on a winning team, are you? You're not going to be on any team for very long. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, well, that's the way it is. you know. And like the, the team I'm the chaplain for, they train three nights a week. You don't train, you don't play. It's as simple as that. No matter how good you are, and know how many goals you score, whatever. You don't train, you don't play. And the training doesn't happen on game day. No. The training happens through the week. Yeah. So that when game day comes, you're fighting your best fight. You're playing your best game. Well, it's the old thing. You train how you want to play and you play how you've trained. You can't, you can't come on on Sunday and be the superstar if you've done nothing to prepare to be the superstar. And only maybe one or two weeks, you may look good for a little while, but sooner or later, the fact that you, there was no training, there it breaks down and it's going to get you. And it's the same in, in, in Christian life and in the church. While when we don't prepare, what's the old thing? You know, failure to prepare is preparing to be fail to, to fail. Um, you, we need to be doing the training. We need to be doing the disciplines, the tough things that have to be done so that we can eventually be successful. I love this idea that some people have that leaders are natural leaders. You know, you've heard that expression, sure. a born leader. Yep. Well, in church life, uh, there might be people who have some leadership traits, but they have to be shaped in a certain way Definitely. Uh, so that they can be effective in local church yep. uh, or in any sort of church pursuit. Uh, the idea of Prepare, uh, preparing, of shaping, of, and this is what we'd call, Rob, discipleship. Discipleship is yep. really is bringing out the best in us so that we can be equipped to pass on those gifts to others, and that is itself a leadership pursuit. Exactly. Well, look at that. You know, discipleship, discipline, they're the same root word. And, you know, if, if we're going to be successful leaders, the successful leaders are disciplined people. Like no matter, like good good footballers, good sports people are disciplined people because they put the disciplines in place that take hold of the basic talent that they have and hone it and shape it and sharpen it till it becomes a really successful entity. And that's I know the you, way it has to be. I know you have a favourite scripture. Uh, Psalm 84, verse 5, yep. uh, it's all about moving in the right direction, yeah. the same direction. Committed to the, you know, those whose hearts are set on pilgrimage, committed to the journey. And it says, and it's interesting that it, it says, even though they walk through the Valley of Bacar, the Valley of Bacar is a valley of weeping. It's a hard place. And, and even though they walk through there, they're still committed to the journey. And, and like training is a tough place. It's not easy. I've watched these guys. I get tired watching them. I get worn out watching them. <laughs> it's not just it's not just the sore muscles after no. a hard training session. It's the injury that you're recovering from, exactly. so that you can continue to pursue your role on the team. And it's also the psychological and attitudinal characteristics, and you know, and and abilities. You've got you've got to. They talk about a winning mentality that comes out of mental discipline. Yeah, Steve Smith, like the the um the cricketer. the cricketer. Okay, I was talking to Peter George. Now Peter George is a is a fast bowler. Played for South Australia. Played for Queensland. I was talking the other day, and he said Steve Smith spends days before he plays visualizing nearly every shot he's going to play. He he visualizes every bowler who runs into him. He, he visualizes every ball they're going to bowl, and when they bowl it to him, he's seen it before in his own mind. It's a mental discipline. It's a now not everybody does that kind of thing, but that's the kind of approach. 
people think, oh, he's just naturally talented. He's not, no, he's not just naturally talented. He's taken the natural talent, the natural gift that he's been given, and he's worked at it to develop it. We have well, we have incredibly talented people you know, in the world, in the church, but who've never done anything to discipline what they've had and put the things in place to take that, and they're sitting on park benches, broken, doing nothing. You might reflect on Steve Smith. I mean, it's almost like he's preparing for every possibility before every time he faces Absolutely. the next bowl. I mean, the, yep. the sort of sequence of of ritual that he goes through at the crease. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's even more sophisticated now than it was in his earlier career. Now he just... Uh, he really is going through every possibility in his mind. His mind must be so active yeah, when very, he's standing at the crease. Incredible. Very, it was interesting to hear that from Peter George because I hadn't thought about that before. But, you know, like we <laughs> we face situations and, and we're surprised by them. But if we'd put things in place, like if we'd worked something through beforehand, why would it be a surprise? God has told us everything that's going to happen to us. He's told the church everything is going to happen. He's told every you know the things that you can expect to happen. Well, we have this incredible thing laid before us, but we don't take advantage to prepare to cope and deal with the difficulties as well as to learn to celebrate the victories. So coping with defeat, that's a part of church life too. Absolutely. Uh, You're not going to win every time. Coping with victory. I mean, there's a gloating that you can have yeah. in victory. And I know that uh, wise coaches uh, try to shape young sports teams yep. so that they can have a very good sportsmanship when they actually win the game because Absolutely. that's just as important as having the ability to cope with losing. Well, there's an old statement that says the only thing worse than a bad loser is a bad winner. You know, yeah. and, and like I know, I've watched a couple. There's a, there's a, a coach um, in the club I've been. Um, I'm the chaplain for, and I've watched him. And like, I'm just recently, one of the players on the bench, okay, uh, one of the other players of the opposition team, like, and there's so much play acting in soccer where they're lying on the ground one minute, you know, that like they'll never walk again, next minute they jump at this. <laughs> yeah. And there's, and the player on our club who was a bench player made some sarcastic remark to this player who was, you know, bunging it on the field. And, and, the, and the coach said to him, get dressed, you're off the bench. You're not. You're not. I don't want that in in the team that I'm coaching. Where that's that's that, that attitude. And we need to have leaders who go. Okay, so we've been successful, but let's not get too full of ourselves. Because you know, around the corner, there's always another battle. There's always again the possibility of, of you know of, of losing. You know, of, of getting beaten in the situation, of getting hurt. So let's not be too full of ourselves. Let's let, let's enjoy. Let's celebrate. There's no reason why we shouldn't celebrate. But then let's understand that. You know, and, and again, like in the Christian life, it says, you know, what pride comes before a fall. So, mm. you know, let's let's enjoy it, but let's not become too full of ourselves. And let's not become too full of pride because sooner or later there's a bigger someone on the path that's going to give you a boxing. Only a few minutes remaining. Let me ask you about a pretty important aspect uh, of the uh, connection between sport as sport and church as church. Uh, sometimes you're on a sporting team with someone you absolutely do not like, do not get along with, yep. uh, would prefer not to mix with them. Same happens in church, Rob. Exactly. You know, and you've heard this, and it's a bit corny, but, you know, we're called the love people. You may not always like them, but that what do I mean by love them? Well, it means we prefer them above ourselves. It means that we, we honour them and, and whatever. And, you know, maybe um, you're not totally likable yourself. 
you know, maybe there's someone that doesn't yep. like you either. How do you want, like, how do you want people to deal with you? And, and you know, the key, I, you know, one of the keys is start to pray for that person that you don't like. You know, this people rub us in the wrong direction, rub us in the wrong way. Maybe there's some things that need to be sandpapered off by the sandpaper of your contact with that person and get that sorted. Otherwise, be gracious and don't give them too much, too much hold in your life. I've noticed over the years some of my best friends were people that I had to run in with. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, back back to the school ground, yeah. you know, the person, you know, the guy that you were having a fight with, yeah. uh, he actually becomes your best friend. Yeah. Uh, this happens in sporting teams too, you know, oh, yeah. that rivalry on the field. Everybody's got high emotional levels and uh, stuff goes wrong and not everyone's happy with the way that you just fumbled the ball. Exactly. Uh, but in some sense, you play together and uh, you get some history yeah. and your friendships develop. Yeah. And I guess you've got to have some history together in church for those friendships to develop in a sure. powerful way too. Sure. And look, it's yeah, history's a great thing. Um, I've had, like in my time in, in the church and ministry, there, there's people I've really clashed with. You know, they just, they did silly things and I did silly things. But coming back, you come back and say, okay, what was that really about? Well, maybe it was about some weakness in me. Maybe it's about some lack in me that that I couldn't deal with that situation. So, you know, the, I remember Pastor Mark Edwards saying, one of the great attributes of a leader or a Christian is self-awareness. You know, what what is it in you that made you react? What is it in you that makes you react to that person? And and learn about yourself and, and then learn to deal with that person differently because you've learned something about yourself. I imagine it's useful to appreciate that in church life, we don't come into church already mature, grown up and knowing how to deal with the conflicts and the all sorts of things that can happen if you're actually going to be moving in the same direction, if you're actually going to have a goal and meet it, yep. uh, these things don't happen instantly. No. They only happen over time. It's one one thing I often say. It's just a miracle that churches exist in the first place. Around our belief and around our relationships, you know, you know that God is present in the local church because sometimes these things, they just wouldn't happen somehow in, exactly. uh, you know, if it wasn't for God and it uh, wasn't for focusing on his purpose, his direction and uh, getting those things right. We are running out of time, Rob, and I don't have a particular uh, uh, website to point people to because uh, you don't have a website all about this. But what about no. the Sports Chaplaincy Australia? You mentioned earlier there are thousands of vacancies. Yep. And no doubt there'll be listeners knowing of a sports team in their town that doesn't have a chaplain and maybe they're thinking of putting their hand up. How do they get trained? How do they prepare? How do they get involved in their sporting team? Go to Sports Chaplaincy Australia's website. Uh, look, they, they will train you. They will equip you for you know, for whatever situations you face, and um, it's it's a great organisation to be a part of, and uh, that that will certainly help you. Sports Chaplaincy, Chaplaincy Australia. Australia, and so even if you're in a little remote outback town right now, listening to our conversation, yep. uh, they're the people to get t- in touch with in the city, yeah. and they'll be able to equip you to be able to be effective in your local country town. Exactly. Get on the interweb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're really helpful there. Well, there's the encouragement and lessons from the dressing room today, and I think great insight from Rob Mann, who's a longtime sports chaplain and. And you might appreciate that he does a great job too around here at Vision. He is our Vision chaplain and uh, much appreciated by so many of the staff members who have been able to
to access some of that wisdom and some of that insight that comes along the way. And uh, I'm sure, Rob, you don't always appreciate what's going on, but in God, you recognize that the conversations that you have, uh, there are some divine appointments there. And uh, some people there, you're sort of uh, taking them down from boiling level down to, uh, okay, I can see that clearly now. I'll fit in with with what what the team is doing. One of the things I learned, Neil, is that you often don't know what you know until somebody else needs to know it. And sometimes you find yourself saying things, you go, well, I didn't even know I knew that. But isn't that remarkable? God can use your life experience to minister into somebody else's life and help them out. So find out how you can be useful in a sporting team in your town, Sports Chaplaincy Australia. They will love to hear from you. You can get equipped to be able to make a difference in your community. Uh, Rob Mann, just great getting your insights. Thanks so much for being with us today on 2020. Thanks for having me, Neil. It's been a real pleasure. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.